Episode 25 of the A-League Podcast. Jeremy picked out the song for this week, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm messing with it. Weatherman, Kodak Black, Yo Gotti. Little Kodak. Man. That was hot, though. That was fresh. Yeah, I like Kodak, it. We, gonna switch. we might keep that one. I think we need to keep that one. Uh, we want a big, big shout out. We just made an announcement yesterday on the Twitter page, Facebook, or whatever. Uh, big ups to Almighty Baller for the opportunity, obviously. Uh, and we will be joining uh, Dash Radio. There's there's just been a partnership with Dash Radio from Almighty Baller to uh, be the first sports network on Dash Radio. Uh, we will be featured on that. We'll be look forward to that a couple weeks from now. But uh, big news there. Congrats, everybody. And we're pretty excited for the opportunity, man. It's going to be some fun. Dash Radio, that's big time right there. Five million subscribers and all that good stuff. It'll be fun, man. Uh, this week, you know what we're going to do. Hawks Talk. Uh, we will keep it on Hawks Talk. Everybody else worry about, I got to address this real quick. Uh, everybody else who hit me up uh, hashtagging about a certain party in Atlanta, we're not talking about that. We're going to talk about basketball. <laughs> there's no other party going. There's nothing else happening in Atlanta this week that concerns us all right, other than Hawks basketball and, and some other things. Uh, we're going to keep it on that. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, I'm not paying $175. Anyway. <laughs> so the record be set. Straight. You feel me? I'm not doing that. Let so I ain't paying that money. Is, is, is it just the price that's kind of keeping <laughs> you away? Or, you know, if it was twenty five dollars, would you, you know? Would you consider it? You know? Hold up, man. I nope, not doing it. Okay. I'm sorry. You played the fifth. Okay. I look anyway. We're gonna talk about the Hawks basketball here uh, this week. We did go after. I think our last podcast we talked about Cleveland game. That was last Friday. Uh, so then, so we did miss the Indiana game. We haven't got to talk about Indiana game, the Warriors game, and Brooklyn, and obviously last night, uh, Toronto. We beat Toronto last night. Um, out of that stretch there, they went 0-3 against those three elite teams there. Um, Cleveland obviously handled us pretty well, but came back at the end. Warriors game, they started off strong, uh, but ended very much weak. And then the Indiana game, they just gave up at the but Glenn Robinson, the third hit a game winning shot. Uh, oh, yeah, Glenn Robinson, third, exactly. Tim Hardaway's boy from Michigan hit a game winning shot there. It just ended that weekend pretty, pretty horribly. So, and then obviously we have the big news coming out with Schroeder and Dwight Howard Monday uh, after the Warriors game. Well, in the fourth quarter, the third quarter of the Warriors game, getting into their little disagreement there. Um, where do we even begin? With, with the Hawks this way over the weekend? Is it the losing of the to the elite teams? Is it the disagreement between Schroeder and Howard? Is that a concern? Uh, which one which one is a bigger concern for y'all? Overall it looks like the it looks like the almost the whole team just looks like a concern because, you know, I just feel like between the disagreement and then, you know, losing to you know, losing to these elite teams, I think that if they were to have beat Golden State, I think that that would have been a huge morale booster. Mm-hmm. But given the way that they lost that game to Golden State late, not to mention what also happened involving Dwight Howard and Dennis Schroeder, that's, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. That's stuff that, you know, for the most part, ought to be handled, you think would be handled in the locker room. 
but when it plays out on the court in the middle of a no in the middle of a play where it's the in current. the middle of a play <laughs> that's so high school dude right yeah in the middle of a play and then they just go back down the, that that looks like that's almost seems typical but it's atypical because you don't expect it. You expect disagreements, but not yeah. in the middle of a play. Handle that in the yeah. Right. Handle yeah. that after the game or handle that somewhere else. Not in the middle of a play where, especially against Golden State, where they're just going to go right oh, back man. down the floor and, and and make you pay for it. That's that's a problem. Like you said, now, the the like you said, they, they beat Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they Last beat Toronto. Last night they beat Toronto, yeah. Last night they beat Toronto. Big game they needed there. Absolutely. They Home needed court that. advantage first round, yeah, all that. But everything, but everything else... The the loss to Golden State, the Schroeder Dwight stuff, it's yeah, it, it's it's a problem. It's not water. It's not water on the bridge at all. It's not not yet. And it That's goes straight said. to butt. It does. Mm-hmm. I, just, I like how they I like how they came out and tried to you know take a picture together and try to smooth all that over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me take a selfie. Yeah, I just think reality just kicked in. I mean, like if you look back in the summertime, like after Dwight signed, you know, a lot a lot of media did not buy into the signing. You know, a lot of people thought that, you know, the team's going to get worse offensively. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, looking back, I was just like, there's no way. They finally got a big man. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, but I can see, like, they cited those same concerns and stuff about, like, how he would fit in. And I'm starting to see it now, mm-hmm. just like how Dwight fits in. And it's just like he's a bad fit with the starting unit. Mm-hmm. And and now, you know, just like beginning the season, everybody just gets excited, you know, because they had a pretty soft schedule. And I just think now the team's got film on them and the team's caught up to it and how to stop them. And, and you know, now it's just like the Hawks are what they are. They are what they are. And, 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 and even between those two, what, they – Dennis said it, but we were – everybody was hoping that it would be like a deadly pick and roll. That only works if you have more shooters, obviously. But between that, like when Dwight – most teams do the same thing all year if you watch them. Everybody just puts at least three, three guy, two or three guys on Dwight as he's rolling to the basket, and that's it. That pretty much shuts him out. He's not going to do much. Dennis, I, I mean, his decision making is—it's. I mean, it can be questioned at times. So it's like that's not a combo that's good. It's not Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. It's not any of these. Uh, uh, it's, uh, John Stockton and I don't, it's not going to be like that. I don't know what people are expecting, but I know Schroeder said that the other day. Like the pick and roll, they the, between them two is going to be daily, but they don't have any chemistry. They don't. Um, and, and I think that disagreement, that's what the first thing I thought about because all season long, I'm, like, questioning exactly how close the group is. Like, I just trying to fill out the locker room and see our guys still tight even when they go through losses. Because that, that's what I think, like, you see the elite teams, like Golden State, Cleveland, all them. San Antonio. I, San Antonio. Like, even losing streaks they go through – I'm not there. Obviously, even we're the not Clippers. the beat report. Even the Clippers, probably. I'm, it's like the best teams. Let's see how tight they are yeah. when it's going through. And I feel like Atlanta, sometimes when they go through their streaks and you walk in that locker room, it doesn't feel the same, man. Being honest, it just does do not they feel play like. Uno? You say what? Do they still play Uno? Yeah, no, I see. Ain't no Uno. I mean, that's the Jeff T. Oh. Jeff T took it with him. He oh, left man. and took it with him. Yeah. Not, they don't yeah. do no Uno no more. They're real big on that. <laughs> I know. They were trying to use that so much to be like how close to it. Nah, I, I, that's fine. That's on the plane. I don't care. But I'm talking about losses. When you're going through something, what exactly are you made of? I don't know, man. That disagreement was just bad overall because I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much further. Um, you want to dive into it as far as their relationship between Dennis and Dwight? I don't want to go too far, like how close they are, but I mean, the it don't look, look too damn close. I mean, the team lacking leaders. I mean, yeah. I, like I mean, I remember back in the 14-15 season, mm-hmm. 
you know, you had Damari Carroll and Elton Brand. They were the, they were the leader on the team. You know, sadly, these guys are, you know, they're not the stars on the team, but you look at that bench. Like, I remember looking down, you'll see Elton Brand, even though he wasn't playing a lot, he'll be down there in the huddle, you know, mm-hmm. hyping them up. And, you know, then you had Carroll on the court. He's he's being verbal. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, these, you know, after he left, went to Toronto, you know, just – there's no leadership. Man. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can't expect Dennis to be a leader. He got to lead himself. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dwight, you know, he's he's never been a leader. Yeah. And it's just now it's just like a whole bunch of people, you know, trying to patrol something when they can't patrol themselves. I think it, you're right. You just hit it. Like, he said it. Like, you yeah. can't. There's no the verbal. Like, who is the guy that exactly? Like, who's got, who guy's going to step up and be like, all right, look, hold on. Like, because Millsap, they, everybody looked at Millsap, right, for the third. They said they asked him. His answer, I forgot what game, I think it was after the Brooklyn game, was that he's actually impressed with Schroeder's growth over the year. Surprised me, uh, and I think a lot of us when he said that, which is fine, he might see something we don't. But everybody's looking at him as the mediator, obviously, between all of them. But we know Millsap, how his demeanor is. He's not going to... He's not going to step in between those two, at least. I mean, he did to some degree, but he's not going to try to talk it out with them. No, no, he's going to let them handle it. I think that's the way his approach was. I'm going to let you guys handle it, and I'm just going to do what I do. Nothing wrong with that, but like you said, there's no vocal one guy that you see that step into that locker room. That's good. All right, look, we got, because Bud can only do so much. From a head coach, you got to have a player that's that you respect that's that can be as vocal yeah, like that, yeah. like Elton Brand. That's yeah, a good example. Yeah, West on the court all the time, yeah. you know, Guarding your player, you can't hear no coach screaming across the court. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. I don't think Bud even getting upset with them mattered. They just were like, I mean, he obviously we know the discipline happened. Um, well, not discipline, but he, we, he, they kind of kept shoulder away from the media for like two games. He couldn't. No practice. He didn't answer any questions in practice. He didn't answer any questions before the uh, was it the Brooklyn game or not? Like he just they kept him trying to hit him, but still it. I don't know that to me was such a weird scenario like for it to finally show up on tv was like maybe it was about time because maybe it's just been brewing i don't know but it's for that to really oh espn i mean on nba tv and it just circulated so fast i was like this is bad i don't the care t- what the, the telltale thing for me was you know after that game i think tabo or mm-hmm. maybe it was before they played cleveland when tabo was like uh the reporter said hey you think you guys will be ready for I want to say it was Cleveland. I'm pretty sure it was Cleveland. He was like, I'll be ready. That kind of tells me that when you when you want to know what's going on in the locker room, mm-hmm. you go to the realest dude on the team. Like, if you want to know what's going on in Gold State's locker room, you go to Draymond Green. You, the Hawks, I mean, Tabo Cephalosha is the realest guy. Like, that's the guy you go to. I can to. agree with that. And he's, he's the that. one guy that's, like, kind of got that I'm not afraid of anybody attitude. Yeah, he does. And the way he said that, it kind of made me feel like, you know, not only is he feel like there's a split in the locker room, but he's also questioning the toughness and mental toughness of his team, which is a surprise to me for a guy that, you know, probably will be out of there by the end of this year and a guy who's not really an offensive threat. But he seems to be the one guy that's just kind of like, yeah, y'all, you're not you're not doing what you guys are supposed to. You're soft mentally. and He's seeing this. He's peeping all this out, and he kind of that kind of that quote kind of just stuck out with me. It was, that's big, though. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. big. And then, like like you guys were saying, Paul Millsap, if he's expected to be paid like this, where has he been in through all this situation? Like, I haven't heard him say anything about the Dennis and the Dwight Howard situation. I haven't heard him say anything. I mean, he's, yeah, that, that, that's I mean, he says stuff like, uh, you know, you don't know what goes on in the locker room stuff. He's like real vague. It's just. And then why won't he squash it? Like. If he's going to be making $33 million a year or if they're even considering paying him that, he has to be a guy. Paul's, it's, Paul's it's, personality is just not that. But that's what I'm saying, in. though. Yeah, man, it's, it's not. It's For you to be paid like that and to be a, a leader on a team, That's it's more than just what you do on the basketball court. He's a, he's a, he's a, good, he's a good power forward. I yep. mean, I, I joke around and 
I say he's not that good. Mm -hmm. But that's most of the reason why I feel like that is because, you know, I don't see him changing the locker room or changing the way the team plays. The team doesn't take on his personality for him to be the star player. Like, when they respect him, though. They respect him, yeah. They respect him. I remember Bay said it like a couple weeks ago that. Paul doesn't talk much, but when he does, everybody listens. So I said, I can see that with him, that he's just one of those guys that doesn't say a lot, but when he, you know, but when it's time that he probably does speak up, but it's it's not as frequent as you want. Obviously, we know it's not the same. It's not the demeanor you want. It's not loud. Like, you, you're comparing, like, Draymond. Like, we had that whole comparison. Who's, people yeah. always do that. It's a good power forward matchup. Who's, what's the difference between those two? I think that's one of the biggest differences. Like, yeah. Draymond's going to let it be known. Draymond was complaining yesterday after the Timberwolves lost that he didn't get any calls. But that's Draymond. He's not. He's going to do that. He's going to stick up for his team. Uh, Paul's just a little different with the way he does it. But I know it can be a little off-putting. It's just like you want somebody in there that's yeah, they need one guy an enforcer. Like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because Every that team one has guy, one. That one guy in that locker room is that guy that, but going back to what you were saying earlier, Eric, mm. that one guy in that locker room can be you know, can be, you know, somewhat of an enforcer or somewhat of, you know, of a, someone who can play peacemaker. Peacemaker, yeah, exactly. You know, when there's some sort of disagreement that plays out, like, say, between uh, Dwight Howard and Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. They need that guy, and they also need that guy because, like you were saying about consecutive losses, that's what tests a team. Mm-hmm. That's what tests a team. When they go through when they go through stretches where they're not doing so well, they're doing, you know, they're losing consecutively. Yeah, yeah. San Antonio has had that for years. That's why they've been so successful, and that's why they rarely lose. Yeah. That's well, why even they need t- and then Timmy, I, see, that's another thing. Like Tim Duncan and and even Paul, probably same in some ways, same how quiet they go about their business, right? But mm-hmm. but Tim still comes across like when it's time that he's got to speak up and he's got to make sure that no foolishness, nothing's going around. We know exactly. he has pop, he has pop of, above him, but still, Tim's whole demeanor there still. I still feel that something about him is like, yeah, they they respect the hell out of Tim Duncan there. Yep. I say they don't respect Paul, but all those guys look up to him as the leader that he's always been the leader he was the founding force of that that whole team there right. so i still see that with him but and that's passed Paul, on in san antonio and that's passed, to Kawhi. exactly to Kawhi now and Kawhi's got to accept it but for them right now we got the two-star players who a lot of times don't even finish the damn fourth quarter in games where we have to come back yeah. so it's like where yeah. exactly is like the totem pole where's the respect you don't really know that guys even respect each other um, not saying they, I mean, they probably get along, but they're still on the court. It's two different things getting along off the court and respecting each other. Like, we know we play with people we don't. Right. Like, we were cool with, but then we get on the court like, man, like, you're going to be honest. Like, you don't, you don't feel comfortable playing with them really completely. And like, it's a struggle. That's the struggle yeah, yeah. that you sometimes have to overcome, you yeah. know, in terms of being able to, you know, get along, get along with people on the court and people that, you know, mesh well because everybody has different playing styles. Exactly. But how do those playing styles, how are they able to intermesh with each other when you get onto that hardware? Yeah. That's, that's what that's it is. That's the difference. And I, I think that's a totally – them being friends doesn't matter. Them taking that picture. Yeah. Like, like dude, it's about – yeah, it means we're talking about basketball. They take right. pictures yeah, with yeah, each right. other during the All-Star game. Anybody took a picture. Yeah, right. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and even like the picture with them was it them in the club or what? It was, they were like yeah, in the yeah, club, like, like a bar or a club, hookah or and smoking hookah. Yeah, whatever. It's like, come on, nobody cares. Y'all weren't even like really looking like I y'all mean, were having a good time. That makes cool. me wonder how big that that this is, this whole situation kind of <laughs> just proves how big of a loss Al Horford is. Though I mean, he was Uh-oh. willing to you know take a step back and then you know mm-hmm. and do what he was asked to do, and then he was able to be a police kind of guy in the locker room. And then oh, he man. when they needed him, he would go out and get you twenty five. 
You know, I give Al that. I give Al. Al was a definitely better. I, I mean, speaker. I, I don't like, like how he left, but that that no, was I, definitely you know his role, and it seems like it's definitely being missed because we never, I've never seen this kind of issue with the Hawks, and I don't know I how mean, long. We got to give Al credit. IT has made I mean, Boston. It's better. good to give Al. You got to give Al that credit. Go ahead. I mean, it's that problem last year when he was there. Like, uh, you know, he we didn't see it in games though. That's the difference. That's I no, mean, that's it's just like, you know, they get blown out. It's like, as far as performances and stuff, it's just like, you he he just still like, they would give up. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, I, like, I've seen. That's just the Hawks. I've seen it like, they give Teague up. Would it's give just up. like. Teague would give up. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it just makes me wonder now, is it just like, is it time for a new voice to head coach? Because you see what happened with Dabo yesterday, you know, he, he was he's late. late. And it's just like, how you how are you late when the players got come before the public? And it's just like, you know. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm not giving up on Bud. I'm not. I'm still. I'm. I. I know people. Quite, I question, but I understand with the GM role, the status of the GM thing. The Ersan move is still. It's actually looking a little bit better game by game now, because um, Ersan hits a lot of big shots. People don't. And when the Hawks are trailing or whatnot, it seems like Ersan's always hitting a big shot to at least bring them back in or extend a, a lead. For he's some. been surprisingly he's, good on yeah, defense, and he's been surprisingly good taking charges. They, he's one of the best at taking charges period in the league so that's a so that move's looking better but still i like bud more as a coach and gm which i mean that's just my opinion but i like him i think the piece is just obviously we need more talent everybody knows that it, there's more talent that needs to be on the team guys need to play better play up to their potential up to their contract um i know everybody's been killing base but regardless of that i mean that whole situation to me was like leading up to what we said they had the problems with the passport dennis had problems with being late um, and then I think part of that is why Dwight looks at him as like, you're not ready for this role. Because Dwight came from what? Jameer Nelson. Who was his other point guards he's had? Patrick Beverly. Yeah, Ray for Austin. Ray for Austin. Other guys who were, seemed, who were more vets. I don't know if he's ever played with a young point guard like this. So that's another fact we got to think about. I don't know if he's dealt with somebody who's not, who's finally stepping into a starter role. Right. I don't think he knows how to handle it. You know, he's yeah. always had to just be the other end of it and, you know, play with a vet PG. Now he's but, on that, yeah. But who do you kind of, you know, who takes the blame for, you know, this kind of this situation? I mean, Dwight, it's, he came in to be the face, to be the leader, but, True. you know, he's still, like, he was arguing with Dennis just as much as <laughs> Is anything? I mean, were you surprised that Dennis got benched and not Dwight? Yeah, that's okay. what I was like. I was like, I would have benched both if you're gonna do that. Bench both of them. I agree. Agreed. And yeah. I thought I was like, wow. Send a message. Yeah, pro, he's pro veteran. I mean, just yeah. because he's a vet, I mean, he, yeah. he he's the first of all, he's the one who threw the bad pass. Dennis is the point guard. True though. It's you were, true. You were throwing an outlet pass to Tabo Cephalosha. Where were you going? Yeah. What, what, and what? he threw it way out in front of him to a point he could not even reach it. It was just a bad idea. Yeah. It, 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 and like you said, it's the Thabo, so just relax. I mean, and then, <laughs> I mean, and all the that I really saw that Schroeder did wrong was he, that he stepped to Dwight and he showed he was like, hey, you did the wrong thing. Wrong and thing. Dwight took exception to it and they went back and forth and it led to a basket. But, I mean, as a young point guard, when somebody does something wrong, I mean, I, I don't agree with when he did it. Yeah. But as a, as a young point guard, you know, that's supposed to be a leader on the team. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but it just should have been done in a huddle. Hey, Dwight. Hey, Dwight, man. You Dennis probably felt like that he was showing there. him up, though. He, maybe, and I think that's why maybe. he did what he did because he felt like you're trying to make me look as I'm mean, that's immaturity. That's it another, is, yeah. yeah. That's the, the ego, the young. I'm trying to prove myself, like you're saying, like yeah. point guard thing of you're not going to show me up in front of everybody. Like, that's not going to happen, but it happened. <laughs> so, I, I mean, surprisingly enough, and then funny, quick thing, I we were talking about real quick, but. And then after all that happening, then last night we had the whole situation after the Toronto game, and KL the Hawks.com guy tweeted about it. But there was like a there was a disagreement between a um, 
who we, who we call him, a, a um, beat writer and I guess I would say another blogger or so, uh, getting into it. And the two guys who actually ended up telling him to chill out was Dwight and Dennis, which is the funniest How thing ever. Because Dennis was telling everybody, yeah, Dennis was telling, all the all, Dennis was telling both writers that they need to chill out. And you, know, you had Dwight playing music. What was it gospel music for everybody to relax? And he was singing on top of the gospel music. Oh, funny, man. funny times. One of the beat writers still like ended up leaving and rushing out, but no, it was it was definitely one of those funny moments there. Wow, wow. that's really ironic. I mean, the Hawks venom is kind of spreading everywhere, and then they cleaned it up. That's that's nice. That's I mean, a nice it, little moment. I mean, it's nice <laughs> to see that be the, the team got number one pick and the team missing their star point guard. I oh, guess yeah. they I guess they could be happy about that. Toronto. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto win was, was a good win. That was a good win. It was, was a good win. They showed some urgency. They I haven't did. seen that urgency all year. I mean, they have They at least play hard. I mean, and it's not like Toronto's just, a bad team. Toronto's a very good team. They're a very good team. I'm just saying, you know, just, I just hope they don't get satisfied with that. Like, oh, we beat yeah. team about Kyle Lowry. beat Brooklyn barely. Yeah. yeah. And, yes. and we're back on track. And then that they, Brooklyn game was my God. That was a struggle to watch. They did not want to be there at all. It was so bad that, dude, there was a in the media room, in the media area, there was a, a fan who came and just sat down and with a pretzel and a beer. And that dude did not care at all. Like, and we're all looking like, yo, you are not supposed to be sitting. And he didn't give a damn. He was just, like, chilling with us. I was like, yeah. Wow. You know what? I'm not snitching because this game is boring as hell. They don't want to play. They barely got to 50 points. By like the third quarter, it just felt like I was like, nah, this is a bad game. Yeah, I just, I just don't want to get like complacent. Like, oh, we beat two teams, so we yeah. can lose exactly. Them. We can lose That's how it's been all year. So they can, gonna... Remember that whole time they couldn't go on like a two-game winning streak? They, it would win one, lose one. Yeah. So like now it's – they need to put some uh, at least a little bit of a streak together right y'all now. Notice, y'all games. know this is going to get bud fire, right? This no, this whole complacency that streak, this is what happened to Mark Rick in Georgia. I've seen this so many years. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I've seen this so many. I've seen it too much for it to just continually, continuously be. Yeah, it's just you're not you're not just gonna keep skating by. You know, win a game and then lose a game, and then you struggle with a team. You should, that's a college team. Yeah. And eventually, you have to have be able to light a fire on your team every night. I know it's not possible. No. I mean, even the Cavaliers and the Warriors struggle with that, but they think come on now. they still think that when it's time that they will be. They're like it will. They will actually show like everything will fall into place. You mean the Hawks? That's what they really. Yeah, the Hawks still truly believe that. Maybe this is just who they are. I don't know if they. Yeah, I, they know that or not. I mean, the top three got better since yeah, last I year. Yeah, <laughs> they, I don't think they realized that. And it's it it just like you know, they might not even get home court. Like top four is like. Yeah, they're not catching Toronto. I mean, they make they're they're not catching Toronto. They're not catching Washington or they're not catching Boston. So. Out of those, wait, wait. Out of those, would you, who would you rather play right now? Washington, Boston, Toronto. Just if you had to choose between Toronto without Lowry, I was gonna say that. Yeah. yeah if, right. if they have Lowry, then that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Exactly. But even with even with that, it's, guess, a, it's um, a little bit tough. I guess Washington yeah. probably probably Washington. I don't know. I don't like I don't like the matchup with the with their three point shooting because the Hawks are terrible at you know guarding three point lines. So. Yeah. And I, who said that yesterday? Uh, it was okay. So Dennis said it, and then Thabo said it. That coach, they had like a film session the other night on the three-point defense. But Thabo said, well, Baysmore also admitted too. He was like the fact that they finally are starting to like make some adjustments like to it, and they did better like last game. And the Brooklyn game, they did a decent job. But Buzz having to make more like in-game, he has to. There's no way because a lot of their defensive scheme is to give up. 
three-point shots and like yeah. close out the paint. We get that. That's what they've always been known for. But it's also about effort too, like and guys getting out there. And I think Dwight being there, people we have to we can't ignore the fact that him and Horford two different defenders. Like Dwight's not going out there on that perimeter, so yeah. it leaves a lot to be like I mean, he exposed. There, it's ugly. And it's ugly because he gets yeah. out there. And first of all, he's always slow and late. I'm yeah. like, dude, the, the shot's already up by the time you get out there. So like that's another problem. Yeah, it's like him and so I think we see the value and we got to give him credit again. And Horford and what he did defensively, he's a totally different guy. He just obviously couldn't rebound like Dwight. But at, at what point yeah. do the Hawks look at Dwight and say he's just a dinosaur? And you know. We might need to just move they in another that direction. They, they paid him. They paid him. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watch every night. Every time I watch the Hawks, I mean, every there's maybe one or two teams that have a center that's like Dwight. Mm-hmm. I mean, every center in the league can at least step above the key and shoot the ball now. Yeah. Like even Jonas Valanciunas last night. I don't know for some reason he Dwight was in his head, but there were plenty of times where I I know Valanciunas can shoot, yeah. and there was yeah. times he had open shots, and he would just keep the ball kind of you know he wouldn't shoot the ball, and I'm like. Shoot it over him. You're seven seven yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You can shoot over Dwight. And he just kind of drove and then let Dwight. He went into Dwight's strength because that's he was right afraid to, to just shoot the ball. I yeah. mean, Dwight's not coming out that far to guard you. So that's easy for for eighty percent of centers in the league right now. That's easy picking. That is just to no. step out and shoot that I little mean, shot. He's had a problem all year, from what I've read about Toronto. Like he's uh, he can be pretty soft and just uh, that's, mm, yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like he's he showed out in the playoffs last year, he and did. just like just didn't carry over to the regular season. That would definitely help Toronto out. But and he got hurt right last year, right? Yeah, he got yeah, hurt. Yeah, he got yeah, hurt. Yeah. And they yeah. missed him a lot. They know? missed him. I mean, he's a he's gonna be a key piece for them in the playoffs because if he ever figures out that he can't that Dwight can't guard him out there, I don't know I don't know why he hasn't figured this out yet. But in the playoffs, I mean, if he just steps out there, he just shoots and he can because he can make those shots, and then you know he rebounds and. That sumo wrestling match they had, I mean, I don't see Dwight keeping it up for seven games or six games, however far it goes. Do you th- you feel like they play their their competition, the level of their yes. competition? They think the Hawks are they fall into that. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Hawks Absolutely. got a tough schedule. Yeah, to say the schedule gets tougher. It does. Because, got Memphis, yeah, uh, Port- Portland next week. Spurs. You got, we got Memphis twice. You got the Spurs Memphis, on Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, that's gonna be tough. No, it's and it's even. I don't I don't think they understand. <laughs> Exactly. Like I feel, I still feel like they're taking it for granted. As far as like the the light would just switch. Like that's what all of them kind of say. Like it's just they feel yeah. like at at some point in time, it all come together. It all makes sense. No. They're close. And but I'm that's like, man, part of yeah. that complacency that we yeah. were just talking about earlier. Like we don't know what Hawks team we're going to get. It's like there's two Hawks teams. Yeah. There's a good Hawks team, and then there's a bad Hawks team. And night after night after night, game after game after game, we don't know which Hawks team we are going to get. And that is a problem. And like Jeremy said, that goes straight to Bud. Like everybody said, that goes straight to Bud, mm-hmm. like I said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's tough, Bud. And even – and I think Bud's like – the adjustments for him, Eric, because he's a guy that – now what? Now the rotation's at nine. You know, he's kind of – like Humphreys is out. Muscala's out. Um, uh, I'm sorry, backup point. I'm forgetting. Calderon has taken over the back point. Delaney. He's got his guys. He got – but I think from – he's not – yeah, Delaney, I'm sorry. Prince and will then, be out soon. And Prince – no, Prince is playing, though. Prince hey, is the first rookie off the bench. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but he, he saw less playing time last night than he had. You know the previous few games. Yeah, no, he. That's true, and I think just because the moment, of, I think Bud was scared to put him out in a game like they needed like that because that's playoff. Exactly. Yes, yeah. playoff from yeah. now on, from this past week on through the rest of the season. This is go time. So yeah. I mean, if you're afraid to put him in on a Friday night against Toronto, because he can't do anything offensively. That's not yet. It, yeah. He's a giving him kudos. He did a good job defensively with he guarded Clay. I think the other day, obviously he guarded LeBron. Um, he guarded Paul George. Yeah. 
Uh, he's like in moments, not saying the whole entire game, but they've put him on. He's strong enough, like upper body and every like he puts in a lot. He knows what his money is like made, and is that he's a good defender. I think it's just um, he still looks like he's unsure out there a lot of times. Like he's scared. He, yeah, I mean, he's it, yeah. He he's, don't want to sit on the bench. I mean, they need to go ahead and play him because they ain't got nothing to lose at this point. I agree. Just play. No, they, and no, and now this part of the season, I think you just let him go. I don't care because the fun that you just don't know what you can expect. Sometimes these people like this, you can you'll be surprised. If, he might just show up you, I mean, in a playoff gonna, game. You're gonna go into next year and you're not gonna know if your rookies can play or not. I mean, you're gonna yeah. basically waste an entire year. And you know, pay these guys next year, and then yeah, you could have been you, get the one developing them, two, you know, seeing what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of see flashes if you just let someone play. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Maybe but they're going to go in the next year and not even know, you Who's, know, yeah, if Cantorian Prince play, can Bimbry play? I mean, you shouldn't know that if you didn't win a championship. Those yeah. guys are not going to help you win a championship this year. They're not going to help <laughs> you lose a championship this year. So, yeah, what's like, the heck? What you get out of them? Yeah, it's not like. Uh, you know, it could be worst case, they could be assets, you know, just, you know, just for one, you know, you got some bad contracts on this team. So, I mean, that could help move them or we help get some assets. And because the Hawks really do need some assets, that's what yeah. separates them from right. yeah. from Cleveland, Golden State, you know, Boston. Like, these teams got, they know how to move players and they yeah. know how to get assets. So, like, meanwhile, Atlanta's banking on, you know, bargain bin, getting Jose yeah. Calderon and yeah. stuff, just hoping that they can make a difference. If but. you play them in the playoff time, like you're, like you're saying, then you can up their value. Yeah. Like, you got to play them in the playoff time. Everybody yeah. wants to see who shows up then. I, I mean, mean yeah. right. Because that's, that's when the light shines brightest right. and the spotlight exactly. is biggest you and get paid always on you. Exactly. Look at Biz Mad Biombo. Look at Biz Mad how much you. he got paid. Off of just last year. Just last year just because he showed up in the postseason against Cleveland. And then when he got dunked on yesterday by Marvin Williams, got boomed on, died. Exactly. I just thought about that. That thing was sick. Oh, my God. Yeah, just, uh, man. Yeah, I was talking about Hawks U and how you develop players. I'm like, who has he developed? You know, yeah, because I'm, I'm like, um, Baseball, uh, they say he developed Baseball. I was like, how? No. It's like even when 2014, 2015 season, when Carroll got hurt, I really didn't see nothing. He really, he was a drop off from Carroll. And then. Still is. And then, you know, Millsap was already good. So I was just like, I'm trying to figure out, like, who who did he develop? You know, Teague was, Teague was decent. Corver was, you know, Corver. Everybody knew he could shoot. So and Schroeder's like, basically the same player he was his rookie year, except he learned how to shoot and he's gotten he better as a more. shooter. He's gotten better. I think the decision making is still yeah it's tough still at iffy. times. Yeah. Um, late games, he's there. He just needs that. For him, he just needs like a a, a complete just a one track mind. Meaning like he tells him to go be aggressive, but says go get aggressive, go score. That's it. But when it comes to actually like. Clock management, other things yeah. like little things like that. Sometimes I, I look you at him; think, I'm, he, he's still unsure of it. He's still unsure. You think his offense like the triangle in terms of like it's too smart for the players? Probably didn't do something like <laughs> a, do something like. A, <laughs> too tough I saw Phil uh, try to like coach. Was that Phil the other day went down and like yeah. coached? I like, dude. Just, yeah, it was just mm. let it leave it alone. Because I think they said it's the offense like a read and react offense, and maybe just they it just, is. they're just thinking too much. Because like you look at these free flowing offenses mm-hmm. like. Uh, like Houston, you know, maybe Dennis and you know Dennis and these guys can, you know, they. I mean, Dwight won't fit in because he no. he's going to try to post up. Yeah, yeah but, Dwight uh, just doesn't fit in the NBA anymore. Honestly. It's <laughs> just it's, he's just it's just it's just a fact. I mean, there's 29 out of 30 something centers that just are different than him. Yeah, it's just you know they probably just need don't need to think as much. Yeah, no, they do. It's like and the and for me when they do that, it's like slows the complete like the pace of the team. There's no pace at all. So it's like yeah, a lot of times and we talk, I think we said it before like they just overpass to a degree that. Guys are passing up sometimes good shots 
for a shot that's not as good because they think that it's you know it's the right thing to do to pe- kick it to somebody else. I'm like, no, no, no. You, I mean, somebody has to eventually just be the aggressor one. Be like, all right, I'm taking this. And I think Hardaway give him credit. Yeah, Hardaway. That dude comes off and yeah. just light and just pull. He has a green light. He just right now he's not going to move into the starter lineup, but keeps saying he's not going to put him in the starter lineup. But he comes off the bench as a spark, and he's done a good job of just a lot of these comebacks. He's the reason why they've come back. Yeah. You got to give him credit, man. Dude's coming in there, and he's really developed his game. Period. He's still the defensive end is still. We were texting about that. It's just like not there. He's a liability in that degree, but uh, you got to give the dude credit, man. He's done really well. I mean, Hawks good bringing in six man. You know, Flip Murray, Crawford, Crawford, <laughs> yeah, Flip Murray. Well, this summer's gonna be what? a semi a semi reset. So I hope they I hope they you know aren't gonna be cheap again because you know we like to be cheap, boy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just that Millsap thing, thirty million dollar cap hold on. Yeah, that's one three cap. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm curious to see. Like you know, oh it just sucks because it's just like you gotta wait to see what Paul does. Well, yeah, that's and then then you can finally do something. Like it's, but even if they do do something, you know, thirty three million dollars gonna. What gonna, can you do? Yeah, yeah it's just like you got really bargain shot. Well, right now we got a good pick. Well, I think we're we're projected to be like top twenty pick, right? Right now we're at nineteen. Last time I checked, it was like nineteen or twenty. I mean, that's not really. That's good. nothing. That's, but hey, look, that's, that's Garrett Allen. Or that's somebody like that. Luke Kennard, somebody like that. We're not getting Luke Kennard. I don't even want Luke Kennard. That's who they're gonna draft. I'm they, they better. I'm telling, if they do I that, I promise you, that's who they're gonna draft. Are we are we admitting that we want a guard? Uh, all of us. I just want to. I, I want to score. You I don't score. care. You I want a wing. I'm sorry. We want a, a wing. A wing. Yeah. Who's a, a a big wing with size? Right. Obviously, we know that. We need size. We want size with it. Athleticism, size at the wing position, right? But the thing about the Hawks, they won't take a young upside wing. They'll draft this four-year senior that'll sit on the bench for three years, yeah. and he'll be mm-hmm. oh overseas player, thirty yeah. years old by the time he plays. <laughs> and then Buzz, like I, I really like his development. What development? He's he's stout when you drafted him. Play him. Yeah, that's what he's doing with it's Prince. True. I don't see, and that's I, look. I gotta give Buzz at least he's playing him. But I was actually worried for most of the part of the year he wasn't going to play Torian. I thought Torian wasn't going to see much of anything right. except in blowout games, and which it was right. the case for like right. half of the year. He was playing like come in with two seconds and just chuck up a get a field goal in. Like, dude, that is why I can't do him like how Brad Stevens do Jalen Brown. You know, he he let he let uh, Jalen Brown's on his way to being a superstar. Yeah, like Jalen Brown's like because he's a, he's because he's playing. Yeah, he was in the doghouse for a little bit. And he now was. He's, now he's playing. You know, dude playing shooting guard now. Playing small forward. He's. It, He's Garden earned, Brown. and he's also earned Brad's trust, probably like to it. He's got it. I mean, like you said, I think you said it before. When you watch him, Jalen messes up, he gets yanked, right? Or he lets yeah. him play. Does he yank him, or does he lets him play through he, it? He yanks. He yanks him. See, that's and mm-hmm. that's yeah, yeah that, which is fine. He's earned it, but but Jalen does so much more, I think, than than Torian can do. He's a lot more yeah. talented. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he can shoot better than Torian off off the rip. He's gotten really. I didn't know he could be a spot up shooter like that. Uh, but he's just overall better player than Torian at the moment. Both defensively though, they're good though. Just two different guys. I just I, it's it's funny. I did not think he was worth that top five pick. Yeah, uh, Jalen. Yeah, I was yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't even, think so. I was like, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah I did not see that. I was like, what? They like stumbled upon something. I couldn't even watch him in because he was on the West Coast. He was at Cali, right? Yeah. yeah. I barely. I was like, oh, I didn't. I don't know. I saw the highlight tapes. I was like, oh, he looks okay, but yeah, he's what, not that. That's what people are gonna say about Markel Fultz. So. Oh, that's your man. Yo, he okay. Who else declared? Mar. He declared. Um, Lon- no, Lonzo Den- has him right. Obviously, yeah, Lonzo Lonzo Dennis him, yeah. Smith. Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. Um, any other point guards that. I don't think any, Lonzo. We're just waiting on Lonzo, right? But well, he's going to. Yeah, They're all freshmen. Yeah, yeah, right. And Fox probably. Fox. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, what. That's Fox. Like Fox. That's yeah. another nice one. Those guys yeah. were all. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, all, I don't see anything wrong with any of those point guards. No. The only thing about Dennis Smith Jr. is that he's uh, he's 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 lost. But other than that, that's not really his fault. And Markel Fultz lost at Washington, but yeah. that's not really his fault. Either. They just had teams that just weren't that good. good. Yeah, you watched Scott Lee. 
right. I don't know why they even chose NC State in those schools. I'm like, man, because these are they had no talent to play with. I'm like, he's out there just doing everything on his own. But go ahead. Yeah, that program is all this stuff. Yeah, it's true. Like, they fired right. their coach mid season after he went to three out of four uh, NCAA tournaments or something like that. That was just ridiculous. NC State. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. They ruined Ryan Harrell's career. I'm playing. I won't say that. <laughs> Speaking of that, that was just oh, a weird situation. I was talking to somebody with that yesterday, Kentucky, like him, him leaving Kentucky. Just y'all still buying it or no? No. They, okay, all right. No. The, the whole dad being yeah. sick thing. Okay, I, I just was all right. I was yeah. just wondering about that. Shout out to Ryan Harrell. We appreciate you at Georgia State, but uh, you know, you ain't playing that last game when we got eliminated. Why are you still on the bench the fourth quarter? Right, I oh, mean, oh, second half. I'm just saying, man. I ain't forget. Anyway, look. Um, <laughs> Anything else we want to say about the Hawks this week, man? Uh, What I will say about the Hawks is, you know, going back to the whole Dwight stuff, it's an interesting thing about Dwight Howard because he came into the league around the time where there was a transition in terms of how teams build or, you know, how teams Mm -hmm. are building. Because back in the old days, teams used to build around big men. They're not building around big men anymore. That's why we really don't, you know, we really don't put a lot of emphasis, you know, on, you know, teams building Everybody's big men. wings, yeah. It's exactly. All, Everybody, yeah everybody's yeah, wings. Right, everybody's right, trying to yeah. go small and be fast. Yeah. That's it. And he's just, like, trying to figure out exactly where is he fit in all this. Exactly. And it's not bad. I get it. But we still said, I mean, earlier, like, you still, he doesn't have any really shooters. That's what made Dwight Wood so special in Orlando. He just had shooters around him. We don't have that in Orlando. And that opened things up for him. That opened things well, up for nowadays, him. He's limited. Nowadays, the centers are the shooters. Yeah. So, yeah that's crazy. Yeah, centers exactly. I mean, I, 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 was watching, I, was, yeah, I was watching New Orleans the other night, and I've never seen this happen, but he, he was, he was, he had the ball, and they ran a pick and roll with the center and a powerful. I've never seen that happen before in the NBA game. I was like, Oh, I saw that. I seen it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, How does this? Well, and Demarcus was the ball handler, and he ran it with AD, right? Yeah, Demarcus was he handling the he ball, got yeah. the ball inbounds, and then he dribbled it up, and then AD <laughs> sent so him wild. a pick, and then AD went to the hole, and Demarcus passing the ball, and AD made a dunk. Then the next possession, AD brought the ball up and did. Yeah, see, I was like, when, Where are their point guards? They have Drew Holiday. <laughs> Oh, they ain't doing. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, that's they're it, like, man. yeah, they're taking over. This those, it's just those two, and that's it. For Pretty much. Teams. I mean, Brooke Lopez shooting threes, Marcus Saul yeah. shooting threes. <laughs> I mean, even centers that used to be big men, like like down in the paint, are starting to learn how to shoot now. Like that, Paul's but, always been. I got power. Has always yeah, been hurt, but he's yeah. always been. He's always been a power forward, but now he's a center. I just, yeah, yeah. yeah, Mark, yeah. Uh, Mark out there shooting. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was. I didn't know he used to pull up. I thought Mark never like went that far, right? Like early, like young Mark. Yeah, because they nah, he used to go. He was a bruiser. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like him and Zebo. Zebo, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's a grinding the paint. Now you spreading the floor. I don't know. That was an interesting one, man. I don't know. It was a good overall. Um, I was. I'm okay with how the week went. At least they they okay. competed. I don't know how much it means, but they competed with the Warriors. For until what third quarter? They should have beaten the Warriors. I know. I, that, I really that, thought they were gonna win that, that game. Was a, I was so that surprised. Was I, that was, that should have been a win. Yeah. So you think there's right. no chance they cannot make the playoffs? No, they're making the playoffs. They're making the playoffs by default. Yeah, by default. In the yeah. Eastern yeah. Conference. Yeah, in East, yeah, they're, they're gonna make. The they I mean, literally probably, in the West. We'd have problems. Yeah. I mean, it was like 36 wins. I mean, they got yeah, right. they had 36 and 29 That's, right now. Because I think 30, uh, I think AC got like 33. No, it's 28 or something like that. If they lose, if they go maybe two and twenty, I mean two and whatever. Like if they only win two games for the rest of the year, they still make the playoffs. Probably that's how weak the East that's is. That's how right we. I was just like, man, because I remember the like, NBA is weak. Because I know going these like losing streaks with um, like previous years, like out of nowhere. So the uh, now we're gonna we're gonna head and do our. Uh, we have a 
a special guest coming in, man. Kyle Tate, 92.9 The Game, covers Atlanta United. Kyle, you in there? Can we get him? Where's Kyle at? We didn't get him? Let's see. Let's see. Let's wait. Hold on, y'all. We're trying to get Kyle Tate in the building. Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Kyle? Hey, guys. How we doing? Yeah, pretty good. We're good. We're good. How you doing? How you doing, man? Good. We got you up good, early? Great. Yeah. <laughs> How you, I know they got a game uh, later on today here. I saw it on ESPN. That's, is that correct? Is it a away game, right? Yeah, yeah. They're playing at Minnesota, but I'm not going to be up there, thankfully, because it's going to be about 25 degrees at uh, kickoff. Stay away from that, man. <laughs> Don't get nowhere near that. How was it last no week, man? How was, were you, you were in attendance, correct? What's that? You were in attendance at the game last week? No, 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 no. I, I was at Bobby Dodd with, with United against, uh, against New York Red Bulls. Yeah, that's what, I, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm referring to. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it? It's great, man. It's, it was an awesome crowd. It was a great atmosphere. It was, um, I mean, 55,000 strong and really showed that the, the city of Atlanta is ready for a soccer team. It was an incredible atmosphere and you know, I was I was shocked too that it was it was a well educated atmosphere. It was a, uh, you know, they knew exactly when to cheer, and I'm not just talking about when the ball went in the net. You know, <laughs> when when Miguel Almiron showed his ball skills and dribbled out of three defenders, even though it didn't lead to a goal, the crowd knew to stand and cheer, and it it just was a it was a really cool thing to see. You know, I thought that there were going to be a lot of moments where the crowd seemed kind of elementary in their mm-hmm. soccer knowledge, and um, it, it really didn't turn out that way at all. It was a great time. You think people? You think the buildup was was good enough, or gets strong enough until that first game that people it built enough excitement there. People educated themselves on the sport, like you're saying. Um, just overall, you think the fans, from from their perspective, that that they really do enjoy like what this soccer team's about. How do you how do you look at that? Yeah, well, I don't think that the city of Atlanta had to educate themselves in the last couple of weeks. I think that there was an untapped soccer market to begin with. Um, I think that, I mean, if you go back to the even the 2006 or 2010 World Cup, think about how packed out the oh, bars man. were just to watch those games. And I'm not just talking about Team USA. I'm talking about, you know, Spain versus Portugal. These are, mm-hmm. these are you know, you couldn't find a seat in a bar at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday watching the World Cup. So um, it, it really is. Uh, it's a city where there are a lot of transient people. There are a lot of internationals. And so I don't think it was a matter of, hey, there's a soccer team. Let's learn this sport. Mm-hmm. I think that there were a lot of people. I mean, I was given a stat last week where of the 33, 34,000 season ticket holders that Atlanta United has, only 3% of those are also Falcons fan, uh, Falcon season ticket holders. Oh, wow. So that means yeah. 97% of Atlanta United season ticket holders are an untapped market. They are a... They, I mean, they were just clamoring for an MLS team, and it's 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 a part of the city that just isn't being catered to by the sports that they have right now. And and I think you kind of hit on it right there. It's just having so many people from out of state, um, and a lot of people move here, and they already have their set college teams, set pro teams, and they're not wavering from that. So it's like the United team was like the perfect, as far as it came at the right time for everybody to kind of come together because you got people from from all types of you know from all over who are supporting all different kinds of teams as far as NBA or for, you know, NFL goes, but they all seem to kind of gather together for just one soccer team. And they, like you said, they wanted, they wanted some type of, some type of soccer in the state or in the Southeast period. Um, 
That's pretty big, man. I think a lot of Atlanta people have been waiting for this for quite some time. That was fun to see how excited everybody was. The the energy seemed ridiculous. I heard everybody saying that they were stuck in traffic for like two hours to try to get there. So I, I'm, I'm sure now um, it's it's pretty, the word's going around that you might want to leave a little early just to get get to Bobby Dodd on time. Yeah, we were uh, we set up a three-and-a-half-hour pregame show right outside of the main gate, gate six, um, with 92.9 the game. Nice. and. Um, it was amazing to see, uh, you know, just the throngs of people trying to get in. But there's no denying that Bobby Dodd didn't look like they were quite ready. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how you weren't ready because we knew four or five <laughs> days in advance that it was going to be a sellout. But um, I understand the staff for Bobby Dodd come from Georgia Tech, not from Atlanta United. Gotcha. And so they just weren't quite prepared. But they're trying to work on on fixing those issues for, for future matches like next weekend against Chicago Fire when they come to town. So. I think it'll be a little bit better. I think it'll run a little bit smoother, but it, it just shows you. I mean, when a when a place explodes like that, I mean, they're just they're excited. It was it was just an awesome event. Nice. Uh, uh, Kyle, you know, tell me a little bit about what you think. Uh, this this having the Atlanta United now, what would, what what would that do for the development of talent coming out of you know the state of Georgia? Like you know, when the Braves won all these division titles throughout the 90s you know we're starting to see the you know the fruits of that um you know kind of playing out with all the talent coming out of in you know high school and college baseball in the state of georgia how, how do you think it's going to have an impact on you know the amateur ranks of soccer in the state yeah i think it's already there um i think that uh, you can see that because united what they've done in building this team is they have it in three different waves they have a, a couple of veteran guys like michael parkhurst and greg garza on the back line um, adding Kenwin Jones up top. Uh, you have veterans, and then you have younger guys like Miguel Almiron and Joseph Martinez and Hector Vialba. And then at the lowest level, you have what are called homegrown players. And these are local guys, um, Andrew Carlton and Chris Gosselin. These are both Atlanta guys, and they're 16 years old. And the whole idea is that, you know, in the next couple of years, I mean, Carlton's even pushing for minutes now at 16, and mom and dad have to drive him to the stadium and cook him dinner at night. So. <laughs> Um, you know, it's it really shows, I think, that there's a lot of soccer talent in the Atlanta area. United has this entire academy that over the last two to three years since the team was announced that they've been building up, and they're taking the top soccer talent from the Atlanta area and around the southeast to train them up from the moment that they're 11, 12 years old so that eventually when they're 15, 16, 17, they can start getting first-team minutes. So um, I think that it's great for the city of Atlanta and the, the soccer world. I think that... Um, there was already a pretty well-established base for youth soccer, and now United has just come in and they're bolstering that. Okay. Uh, how, how, what's, what's the difference between, you know, when the Thrashers were coming into Atlanta and, you know, now bringing in the, uh, you know, Atlanta United? You know, you obviously know how, you know, that ended with the Thrashers and their problems with support throughout the years. And what, what do you see that's kind of different, you know, with the United? Well, I think difference number one is the ownership group. I mean, I know that the Atlanta spirit weren't very well respected in the Atlanta area. They had a lot of issues with the city. And um, I don't know that hockey and soccer are the same thing. I mean, you might you might throw them into the same category because they're not the main American sports of football, basketball, and baseball. But, you know, Atlanta had already lost one hockey franchise. And um, people might say, well, yeah, but they've lost the old Atlanta Chiefs, too. That was a different era in soccer. That was before TV deals. That was before you could really sell advertising on the jerseys. And, um, you know, that was the old NASL that folded just a couple years later. MLS is here, and it seems to be here to stay. 
and they're rapidly expanding, and the, the sport of soccer is growing a lot faster than it ever has. So, um, you know, to say that Atlanta's a bad sports city because they already lost the Thrashers, and now because of that they're going to lose soccer, I think they're two very different scenarios. And I think with the ownership of Arthur Blank, he is bound and determined to make this team a success. He is absolutely passionate about this team, passionate about this city, and it's always been a dream of his to not only own an MLS team, but he eventually wants the city of Atlanta to become a focal point in the soccer world. He wants it to become a, a place where World Cup games come to and, and where we can possibly have a group stage and maybe even the championship of World Cup at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He knows the market is there. It's just a matter of building this city up, and now he's going forward with plans to possibly bring um, Darren Eels, former club, the, the team president for Atlanta United, uh, Tottenham over to play a friendly against Atlanta United. He's talking about the possibility of maybe bringing Barcelona over or one of the bigger uh, international clubs. And so as he does that, people will start to realize, wow, Atlanta really is a great soccer city. Uh, let's start talking about a possibility of maybe bringing in, a, you know, 2026 is a possibility of hosting the World Cup in the United States. And Atlanta could become a major player in that simply because of, of Arthur Blank's ownership. Okay. Um, you know, what, why is this such a great time for, you know, it, Atlanta to get their franchise that what is the health of you know the MLS MLS I know they're you know starting to attract players that you know are international stars like Kaka has come has come over this year and you know David Beckham came over I wonder if did that kind of start this trend upward for this league um you know when David Beckham came over and kind of drew attention to the league and showed that there are some good players in this league yeah, I think another player, too, along that line is Thierry Henry. Um, and, and for a long time, MLS was seen as a retirement league. It was an opportunity for Beckham, Henry, um, Kaká, for these guys to come over and get one last big paycheck before they decided to hang up the spikes. Um, now MLS is evolving. It's turned into a league where it doesn't need those big-time players. You still see them occasionally. I mean, Kaká is still playing for Orlando City. But it's turned into a league that can stand on its own, and now teams are going after youth, and that's what Atlanta United has done. They have three guys who are in their early 20s who are signed as what they're called designated players, so they don't count against your salary cap. And that's what Beckham and Henri were. They were big-time money that if you signed them, they would go way, way beyond your salary cap. But you're allowed the, the exception. So Atlanta United has gone after Miguel Almarone, Joseph Martinez, Hector Vialba, and these three guys are young. They're, they're at the beginning and, and just entering their primes rather than way beyond their prime. So I think what you're seeing is, is MLS evolving before our eyes and becoming a standalone league on the international scene rather than this, you know, signed 33, 34-year-old older guys simply because you need the ticket sales for people to come and see the David Beckham show. You don't need that anymore. People are there just to see soccer. You don't need the the established vets like you used to so it's it's definitely in the next five years is going to continue to change but in terms of the overall health of the league and of the sport i mean the fact that it's expanding as rapidly as it is shows you where soccer is at in the usa it's one of the more popular sports and i think it's right up there with baseball basketball and football as the the four big ones in the united states right now you think because of um you spoke on it earlier just the education of the fans you think because so, they'll be a little bit more patient with this ball club and, and exactly what they're going through? We know how it is for a, a first-year franchise, and they're going to go through ups and downs. But you think they'll be a lot more patient, understanding exactly how the game goes? 
Sure. I think the, the honeymoon period for a new team is um, it's going to be there probably for a year or two. And that's good because this team is going to need some patience. For those that are new to soccer, it takes chemistry. Um, you know, you can put the 11 best players in the world on the same pitch, but that doesn't mean they're going to play well together. Um, if, if they've never played together, it takes, you know, the way I've likened it to non-soccer fans, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones didn't have the connection that they have now when Julio was a rookie. But now, because they've thrown so many passes, because they've they've had so many curl routes together, Ryan knows exactly when Jones is going to turn around and make that cut, so he throws it before he ever cuts. Mm-hmm. And then Jones turns around, it's right there in his stomach ready to catch. It's the same kind of thing in soccer. A guy makes a cut, and you don't always know that he's going to make that cut when you first start playing together. So we do have to pull back on our expectations. They have built a very, very solid, fast-paced roster that should win a lot of soccer games eventually. It's just a matter of building that chemistry and getting to a point where it's viable on the pitch. And and right now, I mean, I think we saw that last week for about 60 minutes where they had good chemistry, and now it's a matter of stretching it out for a full 90. And if you could describe somebody who hasn't watched them, because you said they're kind of a, I guess you would they play with some pace there. But what? How would you describe this team for somebody who hasn't got to catch a game yet? Yeah. Um, so the way I put it is is um, with a basketball team. Think about a team that has full court press on for a full forty minutes um, or forty eight in the mm-hmm. NBA. With with this team, what they're trying to do is they're trying to create turnovers around midfield or in the backfield, and they're trying to get quick opportunities on goal. So, so basically, you think about defense and soccer as the four guys in the back closest to the goalie. With Atlanta United, what they're trying to do is make their forwards, the guys up front, but Joseph Martinez, Tito Vialba, Miguel Almiron, your first three defenders. And so they're trying to create turnovers gotcha. in the backfield so they can get one-on-one with the keeper. It's a fast-paced, high-pressing constant 90 minutes of just run 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 and get as many shots on goal as possible and it almost worked against red bulls there was an opportunity this past weekend where they could very well have gone up three nil and unfortunately a couple of really good saves by the the red bulls keeper but i um, I saw that with the chip shot he tried to do a chip shot and it it didn't get over the head yeah Almiron was on a fast break and he had joseph martinez to his left try to chip it over robles and he made a great save i mean that's just soccer. It was just an incredible play by by the keeper, and um, I make that you mistake know, on FIFA all the time. I make that same right. mistake on FIFA all the time. I don't. You got to hold square longer. <laughs> I don't hold square long enough, man. I, I do that on FIFA every time, man. They get me. Right. Yeah. We've all been there in FIFA. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Can you describe, you know, how big of a hire it was to hire Martino? You know, bring him into a you know a team that's starting from scratch essentially, and what what kind of coach is he? You know, going to help build you know, a foundation, or is he going to be a guy that can take them and, you know, lead them to a, you know, a league championship in sometime in the future? Yeah, well, hiring Tonto Martino was kind of a, a, a coup, so to speak. I mean, to, to steal him away with the significant experience that he has, he was at Barcelona just a couple of years ago, and then after that, he was coaching the, the Argentinian national team. Both of those are the top club and, and international teams in the world when he was there. So this guy has, has brushed elbows with soccer royalty uh, and he's been at the top of his game so we were all kind of scratching our head when this hire was announced because we're thinking why on earth would one of the top coaches in the world want to come to Atlanta United and he was actually the one as we've found out since that reached out to United and said hey I'm interested in this job what would it take and he shows up to dinner with Darren Eels with this massive notebook of notes and full rosters and tactics for every team in MLS 
And they sat there and talked for four or five hours and, and discussed everything across the league. And that's when he got hired. So he just he had this amazing interest in building a team from the ground up and starting from scratch, starting from square one. And um, that's that's what he's done. So he, he's at a point now in his career where he was just tired of the high pressure situation that Barcelona offered. And he came over here. But to answer your question, I mean, he's he's one of the top coaches in the world. And, and I'm shocked, honestly, every day that Atlanta United has him as their head coach because he's a he's a. I mean, he's a remarkable coach. He's he's been there. He's been at the top. Yeah, uh, I have a question. Uh, so, you know, got the new Braves Stadium open up. The, uh, you know, t- people like new stadiums, and you know, we're a football town also. And was, so I was thinking, like, you know, it's going to be a possibility that it's going to be like a Braves game, a Atlanta United game, and a Hawks game on the <laughs> same day. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, what team do you think will be affected most by attendance? Because it's just, you know, it's like they're not like, you know, Atlanta, you know, their stadiums are pretty spread out, unlike um, other major cities. So do you think that, you know, perhaps Atlanta United become that number two team in Atlanta as far as, like, people going to their game over Braves and Hawks or, you know, number three? Uh, I think in the first year, it's going to be hard to judge because they are going to draw better than the Hawks um, in the first season. You know, we'll have to see five, ten years down the road how it all ends up shaking out. But at least this year, you know, obviously the Falcons are going to be number one. And then from there, it's going to be a dead heat for second between the Braves' new stadium and Atlanta United. Um, And and they're going to seat about the same, too. I know Bobby Dodd is going to be about 45,000. And then when Mercedes-Benz comes in, it'll be probably around 50 to 60,000. So, you know, it's I think that somebody asked me the other day, they said, when does Atlanta get a piece of the pie? And my the piece of the, the sports pie in Atlanta. And my answer was, I think it already has one. It already has a seat at the table in terms of major sports. I mean, you don't draw 55000 to your opener and not have a major seat at the table. So um, I, I think that, that the interest is there, the team is there, and I, I think that this team is, is here to stay, as they showed this past weekend. This isn't just a, a, a quick flash. I think that this is going to be something that the city of Atlanta is interested in for quite some time. And um, I was also, we, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier as far as the, the continued growth of MLS. I remember reading something about how Atlanta had sold more season tickets than any other MLS team in history. We've seen the rapid growth of MLS, how they've expanded. I believe they now have 22 teams, and they're a relatively young league, but only they've been around since since the 90s. Where do you see um, at MLS in terms of its you know its overall its overall standing in 10 years or even 20 years? Uh, the, the league itself came around back in the mid-90s as part of a World Cup bid. And in order to get the World Cup, they had to start MLS. And so um, it started out with 10 teams. And in the last 10 to 12 years, they've expanded by more than double. They've added 12 extra teams. A couple years ago, you had Orlando City come in along with New York City FC. Uh, in a couple more years, so they're looking at Miami. They're looking at another L.A. franchise, possibly one in San Diego. Um, there are a number of teams that are vying for the last couple expansion spots. And Don Garber, the MLS commissioner, has come out and said uh, that at 28 is where they're going to stop. So in the next six to seven years, they're going to add six more teams, and that's it. But I, I think that the fact that it's so rapidly expanding and you have teams like Atlanta and Orlando City succeeding as much as they are and New York City FC, 
for these three teams to, to succeed as much as they have, not only on the pitch, but in terms of attendance and money and everything else, it, it, the fact that Arthur Blank wanted to buy a team shows you everything you need to know. I mean, this is a profitable industry, and it's a league that is very, very healthy to expand as rapidly as they have. So um, I think in five to ten years, the outlook is very good. I mean, this remember, this is when the economy has been in complete recession that they've been able to expand as much as they have, too. So... This is a product that people are willing to pay for. It's a product that, obviously, the city of Atlanta, with 30,000-plus season tickets sold already, uh, is is ready and willing to, to pay for and come watch. So um, in terms of health, I have to imagine it's going to continue to tick upward in the next 10 years. And I don't know. I'm interested to see it in a decade. Uh, look, looking at the roster as well, I know you've, you've gotten a good bit of time around all the players and see the talent. Is there any... I guess even a youngster or whatnot that you can see years from now that will really make some noise and maybe possibly be a key contributor for the USA, the national team. Um, I know it's a in terms call. of a key, in terms of a key contributor on the national team, I think Andrew Carlton has a good chance. He was one of the homegrown guys I was talking about earlier, the 16 year old. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and at 16, I mean, he's pushing for, for first team minutes with Atlanta United. So the, the funny thing about soccer is that it's different from any other sport. You know, baseball with the World Baseball Classic right now, it's going on. But it's always club first. So so Chicago, Chris Bryant, for instance, puts the Chicago Cubs over Team USA any day of the week. But in soccer, it's different. When you play for your country, it is a huge honor. And so it's always country over club. To play for, for the U.S. men's national team is the, the peak of the mountain for these guys. And Greg Garza on the back line, um, cursed on the back line. Both of those guys are U.S. internationals, and I know that Carlton has aspirations of doing the same. Um, in terms of youth on the team that won't contribute to Team USA because he's not he's not from here, but Miguel Almiron is probably the the young star, and a lot of people are talking about him as a one of the possible best players in MLS this season. He's lightning quick. He's from Paraguay, uh, but he was playing in the Argentinian league. And uh, so that's that's how Dante um, Martino heard, knew about him because he's from Argentina. And uh, yeah, I think Al Marone, he's only 23 years old. He's he's on the midfield. He's an attacking midfielder and a lot of fun to watch. He was the one you were talking about earlier that missed the chip. Yeah. Uh, but but he's a game changer. He's a playmaker, and he, he, I think that he's probably the best young talent on this team. Oh wow. Well, last one here, quick, let you go. Uh, just for you personally, how, how excited were you at the opportunity to cover this team? Oh, I was thrilled. Um, when I moved back to Atlanta about six months ago, I was working in the Braves organization for the last five, six years out in Mississippi for their double-A team. And uh, to get an opportunity to cover soccer, I've been a huge soccer fan for about 10 years now. And I honestly didn't even see it as a possibility when I moved back to the Atlanta area. I just started working at 92.9 The Game and uh, a couple of months ago, they approached me and said, hey, you know soccer, right? Are you interested in being our primary reporter? And I said, uh, yeah, of course, let's do it. Um, so it just it kind of fell out of the sky. And, and just to be around this team and see it from the ground up has been an incredible opportunity. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Man, it's it's been really fun just to watch them. And definitely, we're definitely going to keep watching and following with your, your coverage of the team. Man, it's an exciting time here in Atlanta. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Was, I Hopefully, we can do this again. Check in with us. Give us the whole scoop on the team, man. We, we'll definitely look forward to that. appreciate your time. Yeah, call me anytime. Hey, I'm glad our, our connection worked out there at the beginning. I could barely understand know, you right? guys. It was all garbled and everything. <laughs> right. it I sounds had no good. idea what you were saying. <laughs> it sounds good now. Appreciate you, Kyle, man. Cool, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Cool.
That was Kyle Tate with 92.9, the game covering the Atlanta United team. We're pretty excited here. We got a soccer team now, y'all. Um, even though they did drop their first game, they were, it was in Atlanta fashion. Atlanta fashion. Uh, you know what? It, That's only Atlanta. <laughs> it's game. okay. It was one loss. I'll take it. Like it's so, you know, first game, first year. Already, all the good talk. <laughs> it was good. I was I was excited to see them. They're they're fun. Uh, they're excited team to watch. Though, honestly, I thought they weren't going to be as talented. But he's right though. They really have a lot of good players on that team. They have so. a great coach. That's and, yeah, that's that's like the foundation right there. You have that, so that's yeah, key. They gotta go heads up with the Trailblazers Hawks game next Saturday. Oh yeah, next Saturday. <laughs> Shoot, I'll be at the Trailblazers game. Man. I kind of want to be at the damn United game. <laughs> like for real, I ain't gonna front. Sorry, Hawks. I just want to be at the United I think game. Play, I think they play at six. They play at yeah. The Hawks play at six. And, and then no, United plays at four, right? I thought it was at four. You might have. You might can make it. Eric. I think I can do both. No, no, no. If I go to the United game, we win. I'm not going to the Hawks game. Sorry. <laughs> Because it's anything like it was for the New York game. Oh, oh, and if they pull off the win, oh, it's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. Is it? It's going to be lit. It's going to be 4 o'clock game. See, 4 o'clock game. We're Chicago. We're it. We're done. All right, so, y'all, another episode of A-League Podcast. Um, fun here. Hawks talk, soccer talk. You know how we do around here. Every little bit of everything. Uh, Eric, your boy. E, your boy. Oh, sorry. Your boy, NBA, is the Twitter handle. Check out hogshoop.com for your latest on your future Champions Atlanta Hawks. 2016, 2017. Nobody, NBA. nobody say anything. He just <laughs> talking about NBA 2K. No, oh, no not, <laughs> not even in the association mode. I stacked the Hawks rookie. team on NBA 2K. Rookie. By the way, rookie my skill. career mode, I changed teams. I was on the Knicks. I gave them three rings, and then I went and I played for the Hawks. I'm about to give us a ring. And now who's my point? I got no. I'm playing with Boogie Cousins. Who else am I playing with? Rudy Gay's oh, on my team. So I got a stacked team. So and I didn't even know. Okay. I didn't oh, even okay. know. But we're about to win a ring. And look, the, here's the sad thing. Even in 2K, people still don't show up to the game. Oh <laughs> you can look at the crowd. No, oh my god. It's still no for real. If you, hey. It's still empty, dog. I'll be like, what? realistic. Yeah. Bro. They're gonna, they gonna be real with you. <laughs> I'll be upset, dog. Anyway, go ahead. My bad, David. Uh, David Orr, <laughs> second uh, at D Norwood ninety. Uh, Jeremy Johnson or uh, Clark underscore Kent underscore 75. I get my Superman on. Akeem Balaam. That's A-K-I-E-M-B-A-I-L-U-M. Twitter, Graham, BeyondTheW.com. Check it out. Yeah. Let's hit oh. Weatherman. Let's hit Weatherman one more Weatherman. time. By the way, Migos coming. Atlanta game next week. Uh, Thursday, Migos be in the building. Let's get it.